My very first marathon was the San Diego Rock and Roll. And I guess you always remember your first one, right? Now I remember them all, but man, that was 2006. What oh man, that's an adventure. You know, the crazy thing is, you know, I mean, I was a bodybuilder in college and I wanted to do like competitions. Then I got sick and changed all that. So I like, I never was big into running. I ran a little bit like junior high, uh, then for high school. But who wants to run? <laughs> That's crazy. Like, so I've never been big into cardio. Always like lifting the weights, never really big in cardio. But after, you know, slipping unconscious state, having to relearn how to walk, you know, I remember, you know, laying in my hospital bed and, and just, you know, man, what a crazy time. Think back. I just, you know, recently had my 16 year anniversary, my bone marrow transplant. How amazing is that? Wow. But I mean, I digress a little bit, but I guess it's part of the podcast. <laughs> but I was just thinking, so here I was, you know, 25 years young. And I, just a couple years earlier, I'm in college, I'm in bodybuilding. I'm like, I'm like Arnold, right? Urgh, you know, I'm like, I want to move to California and, you know, be a certified personal trainer. And I want to have like my own infomercial and be like a trainer of the stars. And it's all changed overnight. Man. And so I just remember when I came out of the unconscious state, because what happened was I had cancer spread to my brain and they put this device in my head and got infected. And then when my temperature rose like 104 degrees and kidney failed, I mean, man, I'm just, it's great to be alive. Think about that, you know, just, wow. And man, this life is just amazing, you know, and just, so here I was, I came out of unconscious state and my mind was just like, oh, I mean, I was just, I thought I was in a totally like different hospital. I had no idea where I was. Now, I'm originally from Kansas, so at the time I was at uh, KU Medical Center, and this is downtown Kansas City, Kansas, and I thought it was like my hometown of Emporia, and then I thought we were going to go get ice cream, and I was just, I mean, I was so out of it, and my friend of mine, good buddy of mine, Josh, great guy, uh, amazing guy, amazing family, and he, he loves telling this story, so if you ever see Josh, I'll tell this story, I don't remember this at all, but I trust him, he's one of the most honest people I know. But he said I was like, I went, got up out of the bed and I went over to the hospital window and I mooned a bunch of people. I mooned people. I don't know if anyone was outside or what, but I mooned them. How, <laughs> how crazy is that? I don't remember it. I believe him. <laughs> but I mean, that's just how gone I was. And, but what I do, one of the things I do remember, don't remember that, I do remember that at one point I'm sitting in the hospital bed and they had my, my tennis shoes on. My laces were untied and my dad was there, the physical therapist was there. And that's when my dad had to, you know, he reached down. Here I am, 25 years old, right? And, and my dad has to tie my shoe. Oh man, like I was five years old again. Talk about a, that was a trip. Like being a kid again, five years old and there's your dad. So surreal. And that, that's something, you know, I remind of every day when I tie my shoes. What a blessing that is. How grateful I am that I can tie my shoes. And I think so often in life, at least for me, it's, it's so easy to take so many things for granted. 
And then when you lose those things, they just, you know, you have a greater appreciation for them. And there's my daddy. He tied my shoes and and helped me to stand up. And and once again, I remember I'm, I'm standing there and I was, I was bewildered. I mean, my mind was just like, for the longest time, I had trouble. I couldn't even focus enough to like read a paragraph. I had a hard time forming sentences. And I remember during that time, you know, I always, from the day I was first diagnosed, 9-11-2002, heard those three words, no one wants to hear, you have cancer. I always had the belief, I just knew it. I didn't, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just sometimes you know, you know. I knew I was gonna beat cancer. Even when the doctor, when it came back and I relapsed, and he said, you're gonna need a bone marrow transplant. And I always, I just always had this belief. Even when the doctor told me less than 10% chance of living when it spread to my cerebral spinal fluid, I always had the belief. But the greatest fear I had was that moment when I came out of an unconscious state around Valentine's Day 2004 because, like I said, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was so confused and I couldn't read a paragraph. I couldn't form sentences. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to beat this but I'm not going to be able to fulfill my dream and my mission. I wanted to be a professional speaker and, and motivate, inspire people. And that was pretty dark, a dark place. But I remember how, you know, they helped me that day. One arm around the physical therapist, one arm around my dad. I took my left leg. They put it in front of my right, right in front of my left. I remember it just like I can see it right now. As I close my eyes, I see them in that hallway of that hospital. And I can smell it. You know that hospital smell? And I'm in my, like, gown. Luckily, I don't think I mooned anybody. <laughs> but I remember, like, I, they were picking my legs up. I couldn't move my legs. Like, it's so crazy, right? And even though they were doing all the work, I was so, still so exhausted. I couldn't go five yards. Five yards. And I remember my dad's holding me. The physical therapist goes and gets a wheelchair. And they put me in this wheelchair and, and they wheel me back to my room. And uh, I remember, you know, they get me back in my bed. I'm laying in my bed and I'm just, you know, part, you know, I'll be honest. I'm totally honest. You know, part of me is just like, and see, I still had it. They were still looking for a donor for the bone marrow transplant. So I, I still had this marathon of just getting over the cancer ahead of me. And, and I just was like, you know, part of me and I, I know we've all been there. It's like, when's this going to end? Like what? It seemed like every day something more. And I was just like to the point where I don't know how much more I can handle. And I was about just ready to quit, to give up, to lose hope. And then just somewhere in my mind, the mind's an amazing thing, you know, our, our inner strength. And I start thinking to myself about, my first thought was like, if I do like a triathlon. But then I remember I'm not a very good swimmer. <laughs> like, I'd have to learn how to sprint, basically learn how to swim, right? And I was just like, but I was thinking, you know, you know, marathon. You think of a marathon, what do you think of? You know, for me, it's like this huge endurance event. I mean, 26.2 miles. I mean, that's a long time to even go like in a car. You think about it, 26.2 miles, let alone running, let alone here I was. I couldn't go five yards with two other people. 
But I don't know. I just, I lay there in that bed and I just thought, you know what? If I could do a marathon, prove to myself I was healthy again. I was like, you know what? Gonna do it. Why not? What do you got to lose? And that's what I began to focus on. I didn't focus on the fact that I needed a bone marrow transplant still. I didn't, I didn't focus on the fact that, you know, I needed to find a donor. I didn't focus on the fact that I was still in the hospital or, you know, trying to still get in remission. And I started to focus on this idea, running a marathon. And so I figured, I figured I got to start training somehow. (laughs) It's like, but here's the thing, 26.2 miles. Think about that. 26.2 miles. I can't, I couldn't even tie my shoes. I mean, we're talking about, talking about. So here's what I know. If you want to run a marathon, and we can use this as a metaphor too, you can do it. Whether it's a literal marathon or like a metaphor for whatever area in your life that you want to achieve. Because you think about it, a marathon is an endurance event. And we're going after our goals and our dreams. They can seem like a marathon. And what I realized is, you know, obviously I wasn't going to run a marathon anytime soon. I mean, I had no idea. How do you run a marathon? I think up to that point, the longest I'd run in my life had been uh, maybe a mile and a half, maybe two miles. And what I did was, I don't know where it came from. I just, but I just figured, you know what? I got to take that first step. And all I wanted to do was just to take one step. Well, that was my goal. My goal is to take one step. Think about that. 25 years old, and my goal in life was to be able to take one step. Huh, wow. And I remember taking that one step by myself, and that was such a victory. That was like such a celebration. I took one step. Think about that. And then when I was able to tie my shoes again, and then when I was able to read more than a paragraph, when I was able to put the sentences together, I was like I was a kid again. And after I took that first step, I had the goal to make it down. I remember the hospital hallway and back by myself. And of course, now when I went out to walk, now they, I was connected to these monitors, right? The pumps. And so you have like this little like, um, hey, you probably know what it is. You see in, in the hospital, you have a pole. So I guess that helped me with balance. I had, you know, pushing the pole and attached to all my medicines I was in and everything and my hospital gown. And just wanting to make it down the hospital hallway and back. And then I remember when I was being released from the you know hospital finally and went through the whole thing, successful bone marrow transplant, which is a whole other marathon, whole other, you know, whole other podcast on that. Wow. And I uh, remember, you know, my goal was when I was able to just to make it around the block. Into two blocks. And see, the thing was, it was one year and six months before I first set that crazy goal of doing a marathon that I made to the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon, June of 2006. Wow. And the thing is, see, now, after my bone marrow transplant, even though it was successful and I was just so blessed and my donor named Tim, he's from originally from Boston, just, he saved my soul. Like, it wasn't for him. I'm not here today. And the thing was, two weeks after he signed up for the National uh, Bone Marrow Registry, Marrow.org. I recommend if if you're not, consider go to Marrow.org. Uh, that's an organization that saves lives. They send you a, 
a Q-tip in the mail, you swab it, they put you on file. I mean, two weeks after he signed up, they called him for me. I want a beer today. You wouldn't be hearing me. A simple act. He saved my life. And the really cool thing is, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but he has no allergies. So now I don't have any allergies. So I tell people, if you have really bad allergies, you might want to consider the bone marrow transplant. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, the, the, it's crazy, the whole bone marrow transplant, because they wipe out your immune system. And so what that meant for me, full body radiation, high dose chemotherapy, and just it wiped me out. And I remember the day I got the uh, bone marrow transplant, April 14th, they bring it in. And it looks like uh, this was like, again, blood. And the actual process is just they have a tube and it goes into your arm. And it's very like kind of like um, non non climatic. You know, it's just very just it's like getting blood now. the Full body radiation, high dose chemotherapy. That, that, that's another story. That was pretty intense. But what happened was, you know, even though it was super successful, Mother's Day 2004, I left the hospital. And like I said, that's the, of all my eight marathons, that was the greatest finish line. Walking out of the hospital after the bone marrow transplant. And when I heard that news, the doctor said, Matt, you get to go home. The first thing I did was I picked up the telephone. I said, Mom. I get to go home. And she said, Matt, this is the greatest Mother's Day gift ever. And, you know, you think about it, life, that is the greatest gift. Every day that we wake up, you and I, every, think about it, every day you wake up, you're getting the greatest gift ever, the gift of life. How amazing, how awesome is that? We woke up today. We're alive. You're listening to this. You know, this marathon of life, the greatest thing is being alive. The fact that we are in this thing called life. And I don't know, it's, it's easy to forget sometimes, right? Easy to forget. And so, but anyways, so that what it meant was, even though that the bone marrow transplant was successful, because the cancer had spread the cerebral spinal fluid, they wanted to do a follow-up chemotherapy. And so what that meant was once a month for 10 months, they had to do the spinal tap, which is insane. But I'll tell you what, they give you some good meds for that. <laughs> oh, you're feeling really good for that procedure. So actually, I kind of like that. I mean, I was feeling really good. What a cocktail mixture they had. But here's the thing. The scary thing is, talk about you have to have faith in others. Um, the person who does that procedure, if they like mess up, like it can like paralyze you or kill you. So I remember thinking to myself, every time I went in, I was like, man, I really hope they got a good night's sleep. You know what I'm saying? Or I was like, I hope they weren't out partying. I mean, I don't know. These are things I thought about, right? I mean, as a person, and I'm just so blessed for those healthcare professionals I had. Because, wow, I mean, saved my life. But here's the cool thing. I finished up my chemotherapy treatment on June 2005. And my one-year anniversary, I complete the fir my first marathon, the San Diego Rock and Roll. I mean, how cool is that? And the thing was, I was still on all these medications. And I was really blessed. Um, after um, going through all that stuff in Kansas, I was like, you know what? Like Dorothy, it's time to get out of Kansas. <laughs> but like Dorothy, I didn't come back. No, Kansas is a great place. Great place. Great people. Oh, man. Saw the earth. Great people. And moved to California. And so 
the San Diego Rock and Roll. And what was awesome is the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And of course, I had leukemia. So this was a great fit. Leukemia Lymphoma Society has a program called Team and Training. And it's one of their biggest found fundraisers. And I, I really encourage it. If you're looking, it's a great way to get in shape. It's a great way to achieve a major goal. They do marathons, half marathons. They do bike rides. They do like hikes. And then also, you know, raise money for blood cancer. And so I signed up with them. What's really great is they have coaches. And so they like mentor you. They take you from like day one across the marathon. They even run on marathon day with you. And they tell you what shoes to buy. They help you train. And it's just, you just it's amazing. Amazing program. Then also, it's amazing. I was not only a participant, but was the honor teammate. And what's really cool about San Diego Rock and Roll is this one of the major uh, participants is team and training. So, like, I think it was probably about 22,000 um, runners. And at least a fourth of them were all with team and training. And one of the things they say in team and training is go team. And so talk about encouragement, right? And of course, I have an honored teammate and they're like, go team. So it's just throughout the whole marathon, you have all these people cheering for you. And so it's just when you have like people cheering for you, it makes the running so much easier. I think Antarctica, the only cheerleaders, actually the cool thing, Antarctica, there's like no cheerleaders really because no people, right? Except the actual runners. But there was penguins. Now, that was really cool. No penguins in San Diego. Of course, we went by SeaWorld. Well, SeaWorld there was, but we didn't see any. But San Diego, I remember that. I just remember, you know, you get up at super early. And I remember Marathon Day. And all these other people, and there with all my teammates, team in training, and just the adrenaline's going. And then over the the loudspeaker, they played one of my favorite songs. So I was got extra pump called uh, by U2, Beautiful Day. I love that song. It's a beautiful day. Oh, man, that song gets me fired up. And so I'm just like, whoo, and then the, the national anthem. And I'm talking about Goosebumps. Here I am, all these memories, right? Here I was a year ago. Like, I'm going through chemotherapy in Kansas, thinking about a year and six months earlier. I couldn't even walk. And it you know, went through this bone marrow transplant. Here I am in California, San Diego, and I'm still on all these medications, but here I'm doing it. I, I just, all these thoughts. And then, of course, this right before the starting gun, we had that negative voice, right? I call the our inner Doctor Doom. <laughs> of course, Doctor Doom—that's that's the person that brightens the whole room as soon as they leave. And uh, of course, I talk about a Doctor Doom who told, said less than ten percent chance of living to the age of thirty. And um, I need to find her address for every birthday I can send her like flowers. No, <laughs> no. I mean, bless her heart. You know, sometimes you know doctors. I think you know I couldn't imagine what it is to be like a doctor. And um, in her defense, she just wanted me to realize how serious it was. Um, because, you know, I think sometimes as a youth, you think you're invincible. And the reality is that there's a guy next to me, uh, same age as me, he's a firefighter, same condition, and he didn't make it. And I just realized, you know, every day I wake up and every moment I'm just so blessed. And, you know, sometimes I forget, sometimes I take that for granted, this marathon called life. Man, we're just, we're here, we're breathing. Mm, you can't, that's the ultimate. But here I am, so I'm thinking all these thoughts are going through my mind, right? And, and then, of course, that Dr. Doom inner, inner negative thought 
comes in, Matt, you know, you, you can't do the doubt, right? Because up at that point, the longest I'd ran had been 16 miles. That's as far as I could get. And so this voice, you know, is saying, you can't do this. You know, I, I just read like only one-tenth of like 1% of the world's ever completed a marathon. So, of course, that's in my mind. You know, I'm on all this medication. I, you know, I'm a, a year removed from chemotherapy. Like maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't even be doing this. Who was I to think I could do this? I mean, I'm, I'm still like, I think I was taking like 25 different medications at the time. All these different pills. I mean, oh man, that's, just, that's the worst. You know, you have all these pills upon pills and all these little interesting side effects. It's crazy. It's crazy. But finally, I tell a little voice, shut up. <laughs> Right here I am. I mean, I'm in it. I'm doing it. You know, it's like, you know, it's going to do it one step at a time. And that starting gun firing off we went. And I'll tell you something, man, a marathon, it is, you know, it's just, it's unlike anything else. Because, you know, you have it, but it's a great, such a great metaphor for life. Because you have these ups and these downs. And I tell you, I mean, I don't know, a certain point, I think it was, I don't remember what it was, probably, I don't know, mile 15, 16, I mean, I like, like, I was like, when's this going to end? And you're like, oh man, then I start, your mind starts thinking, I was thinking to myself, Matt, what'd you get yourself into? Like, this is crazy. Like, who, you, what are you trying to prove? You overcame cancer. I mean, what, I mean, no one expects you to do this too. And I'm like, I just got some tears. I'm like, I just want this to be over. I want this to be done. Now, I got to make a confession here. I, I'm just going to be, you know, raw and real. I am not a runner. So I use the turtle method. <laughs> and the turtle method is this. You run for like six minutes and you walk for two. That, that, that's kind of, so it's, it's actually a technique anyone can use. And so there's different uh, ratios. Some people will run for eight, walk for two. Well, I got to tell you, after about mile five, that, that it was more like, I will walk for six and run for two. I'm not a runner. But you know what? Here's the thing. I just wanted to complete the thing. That was my goal. I wasn't trying to break no records. I wasn't trying to win no medals. I just wanted to finish for me. And if that meant walking, if that meant crawling, I was going to finish that. And so... Amazing. It's just amazing. And San Diego is such an amazing town. I remember we ran by SeaWorld and then just the, the, the spectators. That's what makes it so great. And you'd run in neighborhoods and people would line up their lawn chairs and they'd be out there cheering you on. I mean, it was just, you, you feel like you're like this superstar. And they're cheering for you. And of course, I was wearing, you know, go team, team in training. So they'd see that. And it just, it was so amazing. It was so amazing running that. But I got to say one thing. Actually, I think it was about mile 19 or 20. You go up, it's there's highway, I think it's highway 163. That thing is a hill. No, that's like a mountain. <laughs> I was like, you kidding me? Oh man. I was like, I'm walking up this thing. And then and then you're seeing sometimes you have like a turnaround, right? And you're like, so there'll be a, you know, like you'll go a couple of miles and turn around. So you see those people ahead of you, they're miles ahead of you. Um, because they've already did a turnaround. And I remember one point, I think it was going up this hill. I've seen people coming down the hill. And I was like, man, I can't wait to be them. It reminded me of this one time I was in the hospital. And I was, you know, for the bone marrow transplant, I was in there for a month. And that, that was the hardest thing for me. And Because of the bone marrow, uh, when you go through the bone marrow transplant, you're in a special unit. And so you're, it was only, 
they had like four rooms, but it was only me and for the most part, the other guy, Clarence. And Clarence, that guy, amazing guy, he, he, he was big into Harleys. And we never con- we never really saw each other because because our immune system was so low, but we got to meet each other a couple times at fundraisers. Um, unfortunately, he passed away, but just a great spirit, a great heart. But I could hear him laugh sometimes. <laughs> Probably could hear me laugh. And he just man, positive guy. But anyways, um, the whole point was that where was I? What I was saying is, you know, I kind of forgot what I was saying. Oh, now I remember. <laughs> so I remember one time I looked out my window outside and I saw this girl and she was leaving and I was like I just want to go with I said I want to go with you and one time what I had to do I had now this wasn't when I was going through the the bone marrow transplant because you couldn't leave the unit but another time before that I'd been there for a couple weeks and I had my um I had my girlfriend sneak me out (laughs) my girlfriend at the time I was like I got to get out of there you weren't supposed to leave but we just like, hey, we're going down. We're going to go down and have like a, a vending machine. I just took me out of there. Had, had to break out. Had to break out of. Had to break out of the hospital. <laughs> but there I was. So here I see those other people. I can't wait to get where you are. And uh, I remember now. There's something about San Diego rock and roll. So you finish, at least then you finish on the parade grounds for the Marine base. So they had the Marine Corps boot camp. And I remember we're coming down this final stretch. And it's like the parade ground. I'm like, this is it. I've made it. It was the final 0.2 miles. And that thing like went forever. I couldn't believe how far it went. I was like, is this race ever? It was like, it was like kind of like, you remember like, what was that um, Bill Murray, Groundhog's Day? Like every day was like over and over and over. I was like, this is what this marathon's like. This thing is never going to end. Are you serious? And so... I just remember it was going and going, and then finally the finish line. And it's like when you see that finish line, it is the best feeling in the world. All those months of training, all those. See, I used to. I lived in a place called Temecula, and it's about 50 miles from San Diego. And I trained with a team in San Diego, so every uh, week on Saturday we do our long run. So I had to get up super early to make sure I drive 50 miles to do the training in San Diego. And so it was early days and long runs and all that discipline and that 26 miles. And it's all worth it. You cross the finish line. I crossed that finish line and I got that medal. And it's just so surreal. I think about right now, like, wow, I can't believe I did this. Going from laying that hospital bed in Kansas City not even being able to tie my shoe, not even being able to go five yards with two other people, having to take that first step, going through that bone marrow transplant, full body radiation, everything I had to go through, and now to cross the finish line and get that medal. Amazing experience. And I wanna share the lesson I learned. The lesson I learned from that marathon lesson of perception lesson of perception and what I realized is in life this marathon of life we're all in it's not what happens to you it's how you perceive it you see when I was first diagnosed with cancer it was one of the greatest tragedies of my life but it became one of my greatest blessings 
And so one of the things I share in my talks is this thing called C plus P equals R. Your circumstances plus your perception equals your reality. You see, my circumstance was I had cancer, spread the fluid in my brain. My circumstance was I slipped unconscious state. My circumstance was I couldn't even tie my shoe. And my perception could have been to give up. But my perception was what else is possible? My perception was to visualize this victory of a greater tomorrow. My perception was that every failure, every adversity, every heartache carries with it a seed of an equal or greater benefit. You see, I believe this, the quality of our lives are determined by the quality of our questions. Why not me? Why couldn't I go and run a marathon? And see, your reality is shaped not by what happens to you, but how you perceive it. And this marathon of life, this marathon in family and health and money and time, there's going to be circumstances you can't control. There's going to be people and things. But ultimately, you create your reality through how you perceive it. And so that's why I want to encourage you to always seek the good that's in the bad. To choose a love over fear. To choose hope over fear. To find that seed of an equal or greater benefit. I remember I finished that San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon. I was exhausted. I actually had the picture where I'm laying out on the ground. And I remember people asking me, they said, Matt, what, what was harder, going through the chemo and the cancer or going through the marathon? And my reply is, well, you know, with the cancer, I just had to lay in the hospital bed. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I really didn't have to do much. And I, I remember like, okay, after this, I did it. No more. I'm never going to do another marathon. And then I met this couple. And it was like, it was a fundraiser. And they were getting ready to do their seventh marathon on their seventh continent in Antarctica. I'm like, Antarctica? Who even goes there, let alone do a marathon? It reminds me of something, one of my favorite quotes, Charlie Tremendous Jones. And he said, you'll be the same person you are today five years from now, except for two things, the people you meet, the books you read. Interesting. They can grow rich, Napoleon Hill read in that book, every adversity, every heartache, every failure carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. That stuck through me that allowed me to perceive a different reality. The cancer being a tragedy became a triumph. And then I met that couple and they inspired me. And, they said, you know, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna do a marathon every continent. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I hope you got some value out of this. Hope you had some fun as I shared my experience, the first of eight. So we do these podcasts, eight lessons from eight marathons on eight continents. But I really want to encourage you to take that lesson of perception and realize in the marathons that you face that it's not what happens to you, but it's how you perceive it. And there's always the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Until next time, it's been amazing. I'll see you as together we'll cross the finish line. Victory.